was able to grab it for Hawthorne. Got it to Bruce. Hurried handball more. Morrison, Newcomb, Newcomb loads up. Newcomb. Wingard got it out to Morrison. Morrison on the left goals. They're back within four points. Two on two. No mark taken. Bruce. Bruce. Goal. Hawks lead by nine. Lewis, he's kicked three today. He'll be kicking from 54 metres out on an angle. Sends it on its way. Lewis, it's a big kick. Loxeston brought to life. Two seconds left on the clock. The big fist from McInerney. There is the siren. Yes, indeed, the Hawks tamed the Lions in Tassie, producing a terrific five-point win. Plus, our VFLW side enjoyed another big victory with the finals campaign just around the corner. There's much to discuss right here on the Hawk Talk podcast, so let's get down to business. My name is Nick Mason, and Tiz, I think we're going to kick things off with a question from a long-time listener of the show, Views from the Nosebleeds, who wants to know who's puffing their chest out more at Hawk Talk Podcast HQ. Tiz off the back of the Nash revival and cementing his status as a must-have midfield starter, or Nick with Mitch Lewis's ascension to bona fide AFL key forward gun. Oh, it's got to be you, mate. You're looking like Dermy doing that walk with your chest <laughs> puffed out and the pigeon legs. and No, uh, timing's everything, and Mitch Lewis was uh, the difference on the weekend. Four straight goals, mate. Four straight goals, nine disposals, and four marks. He really is one of the premier forwards of the comp, and no one's really talking about it. Dermy is. He loves him. It's going to be massive. He's going to be huge. And i got to say, didn't he play a ripper game? Yeah, he did. I mean, that goal to give us a significant buffer in the final term, uh, that's the best goal of his career. Now, I don't know whether you recall, Nick, but in our little WhatsApp sessions, I did say I had a good feeling about this match. Well, no, I've got to pay you that. You did indeed say that. And we have had the wood over Brisbane for some reason for some time. Well, that's our third straight win over this mob. And, you know, when they're inside, I guess, their premiership window, I know they haven't, in the final series at least, quite lived up to that billing. But, uh, yeah, Brisbane, no slouches. They're doing well of late. So to get three wins in a row over them in recent memory, uh, that's pretty good. One bloke, John Newcomb, who is now equal in the odds for Rising Star. Look, I I don't recall Hawthorne picking up a more natural-looking midfielder in my time no the hype is real the hype is real around John Newcomb 27 touches at 70.4 percent disposal efficiency 664 meters gained six tackles 24 pressure acts nine clearances an equal team high six inside 50s mate I'm not done 12 score involvements (laughs) the most of any hawk this year he's averaging 22.5 disposals 4.2 tackles and 3.6 clearances he has asserted himself as the premier midfield of this Hawthorne outfit and he's done it inside a year it's just fascinating and if you've been listening to what Sammy's been saying about him he he is a a self-motivated type you don't have to coach him too much this is a bloke that bought himself a gym kit over lockdown and now he's doing this for Hawthorne in the AFL. You know, that that's some kind of character. And this, what's this, he's going into his 18th game this weekend. It's just pinch yourself stuff. No wonder the AFL have changed the rules. <laughs> you shouldn't be able to do this. This is, <laughs> this, is, this is a phenomenon. It's such a luxury to have a player that you just sort of wind him up and watch him go. Like, you just put him out there and he does his thing. It's brilliant. And he's doing things on the inside. He's doing things on the outside. He's not a one 
uh, one-trick pony or anything like that. No, and it, his enthusiasm really sparks the others around him. Can I just say, he gets that ball on the 50-metre arc and I knew instantly, oh, this is a goal. He's going to put this through. Oh, right, okay. I didn't think he was quite that good yet. But <laughs> but it wasn't even a step. It was sort of a half step straight through. And I thought, wow. Of course, he wasn't the only midfielder that shone this week, which is a refreshing change to say that because that, that is the part of the ground where we're severely lacking. But Tom Mitchell really just turned back the clock after coming in for some criticism during the week, which I, you know, we've been critical here on the Hawk Talk podcast too, but for different reasons. I, I thought some of the media criticism was... Uh, uh, a bit lacking in rationale. I felt like they weren't explaining why the drop-off was there with Tom Mitchell, but he stepped up to the plate this week. 36 disposals, 373 metres gained, nine clearances, and a team-high seven tackles. Tom Mitchell came to play. Yeah, when Tom Mitchell's doing seven tackles, uh, John Newcomb's doing six, you're getting five out of uh, Jager Amira. Um, the, the pressure's on. That's team ethic right there. Yeah, I cast an eye on the tackle count, actually, and uh, Cozzy was right up there. Yeah, took six tackles. Apart from John Newcomb and Tom Mitchell in the midfield, James Sisley, thank goodness we've signed him. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't you love to see the contract? I wonder how much they're they're paying him. But um, didn't leave the field, 24 touches, 80% DE for 665 metres gained, which is... Within his normal range, so it's generally what he does. But then a team-high 11 intercepts. And if you can manage to, and this is why Frost went back later on in the game, if you can manage to free up Sicily or Giath or Giath and Sicily work together to, to work out which one's going to be free to, to rebound, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to watch. And I know we're going to be inconsistent, and I do think... The number of free kicks that happened in the game helped us to shift momentum, to break up the momentum of the Brisbane Lions, um, but uh, which was a little bit fortunate, even if it was agonising to listen to the whistle being blown so often. And, and I'll, I'll never get over Tom Mitchell's uh, push in the back. That is um, <laughs> that is one of the worst free kicks of all time. I think I think that's probably number one. Worst free kick of all time. Oh, but here's the thing. It went both ways, didn't it? Because that, that one that got paid to John Newcomb was pretty soft. It was just one of those days where the umpiring was just anxiety-inducing. Oh, but if you can go back and drill it like um, Mitch Lewis did, making them pay off the free kicks, that's something I love. That was too far, though. Oh, yeah. I don't, I'm not questioning that. But that was um, generally... Uh, it's 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 less likely if you've received a free kick that we kick the goal. And that was a phenomenal kick. Anyway, I do appreciate the fact that we're talking about my boy Mitch again, but we do need to move on. Uh, I want to get back to James Sicily for just one second. If you suspect that he's one of the best players in the league right now, you wouldn't be wrong. He's actually the second best rated key defender in the comp. First for disposals, first for metres gained, and third in intercept possessions. Oh boy, I am so glad that we signed him for five years. And uh, CJ was back, and he didn't have much of the ball, but he's a, he's bloody effective when he has it. He uh, finds space, makes the play. Well, he only finished with 12 touches in the end, uh, ran at 83.3% disposal efficiency. I think he did some of his best work in that opening half. He's just such a talismanic figure, isn't he? Like, he, he makes all the difference when he's out there, and the way that he drives the play, uh, getting that pinpoint pass to Wingard 
I think it was the first quarter of that. That was a thing of beauty. And you instantly went, gee, I'm glad that he's back. <laughs> it didn't take long for you to go, we have missed this. His ability to get the ball was a bit hampered on the weekend, but his pressure points were through the roof for him. The other bloke we need to talk about is Connor Nash, who was mentioned earlier. Obviously, uh, integral, five clearances, 17 touches, and just having that bigger body in there was was good. But it looks like we've found one, Nick, and he looks better in the AFL than he did in the VFL, to be quite honest. <laughs> he does. Sam Butler, he just finds time and a little bit of space, and that was a lovely first goal. Well, I want to put it to a poll. He might actually do it on Twitter as well, at Hawk Talk Pod. Which goal of Sam Butler's was better? Did you like the first or the second better, Tiz? Oh, I, I enjoyed the first, I think. I might have enjoyed the first more if BT gave it a little more on commentary. I, I, did, I thought that was a subpar call. That disappointed me. But the first one was very good. The second one... You know, obviously being his second game, I wasn't entirely sure he'd, he'd have the range, but he, he banked it home from outside 50. Yeah, but it, it's not just that, but he's in the, he's in the right spots. You know, if you, we, we've been looking for someone to play that role for a long time, and it, it's, it's such an opportunistic role that you just have to be in the right spot so often for it to fall your way. He had nine touches, uh, seven uncontested, three contested. Pressure points weren't very good, so he looked to... Look to increase there, but the from the looks of the kid and the energy that he was giving in that forward line, off only, what was it, 50, 50% game time, something like that? 56% game time for nine touches and two goals won. So it does make you wonder what he could achieve if, you know, the moment he starts getting more of a, more of a go... The more, he, the more that he builds up to that and his body's up to it, makes you wonder what he could accomplish. Now, I think we should also talk about the, the sort of team dynamic there's no one who was really outstanding in their performance in this match. Do you know what I mean? It was a very level game. There are a few players that I felt let us down a few times. Um, there are a couple of moments where uh, people trod on the ball and it, <laughs> it went the way of the Brisbane Lions. But the the team ethos to keep attacking, even when they were you know, looking as if the game would be done if the Lions got another goal, speaks volumes about the kind of character that Sammy's going for. And um, we were talking, or I was talking earlier about how Newcomb is, starts himself. You know, he's a self-starter. And that's exactly what Sammy's looking for. This is, this is what you get with self-starters. They just keep going. They don't stop. And it was our relentlessness that eventually broke the lines. We well, point out that it was an even performance. I think that's true. I mean, obviously, we've moved to highlight a few players so far in our recap, but uh, I've got to say, when I started to look at just who we wanted to talk about, I, I just went name after name after name. It just seemed like everyone had some real positive influence on the game. It, everyone had like a little nice moment that contributed to the win, and I thought that was pretty special. Only three blokes were above their normal output and only three blokes were below their normal output. And that is a very even performance uh, by anyone's measure. And um, one, of the, one of the things I noticed was um, Liam Shields on Lockie Neal. I mean, Lockie Neal threatened to really pull us apart. He, he, he could have done that uh, if we'd allowed it. And Liam being the player he is with that sort of inscrutable concentration, just wore him like a glove. And it was good to see. I mean, 25 disposals and a goal still. 
But that team relies on him so heavily that uh, it was enough. When Lockie Neal's been notching up, you know, 35 touches and maybe a goal or two, um, it puts it into perspective. The Shields did a magnificent job. Uh, I, I, you know, 25 touches and a goal. You've got to remember that the margin was about five points. So it's actually really crucial that Neil didn't get off the chain. Now, remember that we won the game in the last quarter, right? These four players did not have a touch. Max Lynch, who I'm very concerned for, by the way. He's, he looked, uh, you know, it's a fine line, all these concussions, because you can go from warrior mode to warrior mode. Mm. You worry about if it's going to happen again. Do you know what I mean? It, it really saps the confidence, and I'm, I'm worried about him, and he, he's going to be a while. We've got a bit of a challenge in the rucks anyway. But uh, so Max Lynch, no touches. Liam Shields, no touches. Will Day, no touches. And Kyle Hardigan, who was on by then, no touches as well. And yet we still managed to run over the top of them. Yeah, it's somewhat surprising. The thing about Will Day is, yeah, obviously he was subbed out um, and Kyle Hardigan comes on and didn't, doesn't give us anything anyway. Uh, Lynch is off with a concussion by that stage. Shields I'm somewhat surprised about, but as we've spoken about, uh, you know, more of a nullifying, neutralising role and influence on this game. But uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> we've gone a few players down there and yet we've managed to to win back the game on our terms and get the result. So what is the deal with Will Day? It seems that it's not as bad as, as we first thought. He went into the fence, clattered into the fence, and is possibly going to make the journey to Darwin. He's coming for a bit of criticism. Yeah, I imagine by the time people hear this, um, team selection might have already been announced for Darwin. So, you know, take what we say now as it's a Wednesday night recording, so all within context. Well, I, I don't know <laughs> if they'll risk him or not, but... Um... He's coming for a lot of flack. Like, I know the expectations are high, but this is still a kid. And uh, I've really enjoyed, well, his efforts last week. And, and this week, he was a bit down. Looked like a fish out of water a couple of times, but that's going to happen. And we still managed to get the result. And one bloke, moving on from Will Day, Chad Wingard, like, I, I know we think he could... Kick 10, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have such high expectations for the guy. But the, that goal where he just waltzed away like no one else was playing footy, they just watched him do it. <laughs> oh, that was magnificent. Well, no one got near him. Yeah, <laughs> and he had a look behind him to see how much time he had. <laughs> the expectation is in proportion with the swagger. Yeah, oh, I love it too, you know. I know Charlie Cameron went for the motorbike and fell on his ass or whatever, but at least Wings, you know, has a bit of bravado. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, did you enjoy Frosty as a forward? Were you uh, going, what on earth is is happening here? Because we've been critical of Frost the last few weeks. He's been giving away, remember that game against Brown at Melbourne? Just gave away free kick after free kick, and then against Richmond he wasn't. So great, and he's been getting some... Well, they're jobs you wouldn't put your hand up for, Nick. Let's put it that way. And then for Sammy to go, you know what? Instead of being the hunted, you can be the hunter today. I thought it was a great way to just change his mentality. I, I thought he really stepped up. I, I, I will cop to being somewhat bemused, as a lot of Hawthorne fans were, to find him named... Well, not named, so he didn't expect that, but he just sort of, sort of showed up. He manifested in the fourth line, and he saw it on the coverage like, what is going on? Yeah, well, they were very <laughs> bemused, the commentators. They thought this couldn't possibly work. And it did, you know. His, his pace, 
worried his uh, opponent, even in attack. And uh, he didn't seem to get in the road of anybody. He, uh, yeah, I, I thought it worked quite well, and I was surprised it worked as well as it did. And Kyle Hardigan, the sub, was an interesting turn. I've got to say, I had a bit of egg on my face. I'd been at Box Hill the week before. From my observation at the ground, I was certain, and tweeted as much, that Kyle Hardigan would not be back in the side anytime soon. Uh, and there he was. He ended up being subbed in. He was running around for Hawthorne on the weekend. A uh, bit, bit unusual, though. It still wouldn't have been my choice for the sub. Uh, look, he's a big body, isn't he? And he's a mature mind. And uh, just, I wouldn't have thought anyone would pick him as a sub. I usually look for an impact sub. That would be what I would be going for. Yeah, an impact sub and, and the kind of player where you can kind of um, hedge your bets on what's going to happen on the day. Yeah, they can play a few lines. You know, they can play forward, mid, back. And I thought to that end, Josh Morris was right in the frame. You know, when Jack Scrimshaw is out of the side with a shoulder complaint and we bring Josh Morris in, I'm like, okay, well, maybe we can expect him to be sub, but... That's not how they did things. You've got a guy who could play back or forward. Um, I don't know why they didn't go with him, but I'm hoping Morris's time will come because, you know, he's put together a good season for Box Hill and probably deserves his chance. He's got less chance than Conor Nash had about 12 months ago. <laughs> okay. I don't like to say that, but there doesn't seem to be any sort of role for him off the half-back line. In this side. No, not even with a, a cloud over Will Day. Because, uh, you know, Scrimshaw and Day are both tests heading into this clash versus Gold Coast. And even if neither of them get up, there's no guarantee that Morris comes in. So Yeah, it's a bit tough. What did you think of Bramble on the weekend? Did you think he, he's looking like he's getting back in the groove, isn't he? Yeah, he's getting there. He's, he's not someone I noticed too much, but I'm becoming more comfortable than I was with Bramble. When he returned to the lineup, I thought it was evident in the first fortnight that it was rusty for certain. Um, but I'm starting to think that maybe he's overcoming that and becoming a bit of an unassuming contributor, much like Harry Morrison, in fact. I think, you know, they do good things, but they're not going to be headline players. No, it's just a consistent um, four-quarter effort. And, and sometimes with these players, like Hardwick and blokes like that, um, the less you notice them, the better. Because uh, if you're noticing them in the back line, it's generally because they're out of position or making mistakes or things like that. But very sure set of hands for Bramble. Well, that's true of um, Hardwick, what you just said. Uh, I thought he was a bit of an unsung hero. You didn't notice him, and for good reason. He played his role, and that was that. Yeah, but certainly he's not playing as well as he did last last year. No, no, he's not. He's, you know, I feel like for the last few years, every time the PCM rolls around, he's in calculations, but I don't think he's anywhere near it this year. So even though we're 11 inside 50s down on Brisbane 61, Hawthorne 50, still managed the win, Nick. Mm, in, in a very high scoring contest as well. We also won the free kick count. Well, someone had to. <laughs> I mean, there were plenty of them. Uh, we've been averaging 21 free kicks a game. And on this occasion, we had 36. So that should say a little bit about the standard of umpiring there on the day. As I said before, it wasn't just us. It was both ways. It was pretty horrific stuff. But, you know, at least we at least we came out on the good side of it. Now, the hitouts. Oh, my goodness. This is only going to get worse this weekend. I would imagine 70 to 28. <laughs> 70. To 28, the Lions only average about 40 usually. But the important one is hitouts to advantage. And that was Hawthorne losing 11 to 19. So a little bit more even there. 
the clearances were virtually equal, 43 to 42. However, our season average is about 31. Stoppage clearances is where we dominated. And contested possessions was a narrow loss, 143 to 152. But I want to bring this to your attention, Nick. You know, I always like looking at uh, the projected score. Now, Hawthorne had an accuracy of 64% in front of goal. From 28 shots, we would have been expected to kick 101 points. We kicked 117. Brisbane Lions had 29 shots, one more than us. Accuracy 59. Their expected was 92. They kicked 112. Very, very good kicking, especially for Launceston. Mm, Indeed. Anyway, that's enough on this game, I suppose. What a fantastic victory and... And I did enjoy the camaraderie in the in the coach's box at the end of the game. <laughs> Sammy Mitchell blowing a kiss. Yeah, even though uh, Zorko's plopping one through, had no effect on the result, and uh, they're all happy as Larry. <laughs> we do move on to our Gold Coast hosting Hawthorne at TIO Stadium, Saturday 7.40pm, 12th taking on 13th. Uh, so it should be a good clash, you would think. The the changes, I mean, as I say, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. What we do know is that Lynch will be out. He'll miss with the uh, concussion protocols. Day, there's a question mark on Will Day. Uh, I, I was surprised, I, I imagine most Hawks supporters were, to learn that it wasn't that severe after all, and he could play this week. Uh, Scrimshaw, is he an inclusion? Uh, Reeves is a test as well. I mean, we're talking about our ruck problems. Do they dare rush him back? No, I wouldn't have thought so. I understand he hasn't had surgery either. So, uh, obviously, Hawthorne are thinking they could play finals, and uh, that's why they haven't sent him sent him under the knife. Is that is that right, Nick? I did hear the F word mentioned on um, on the couch the other night, That the F word being finals. You might have heard the F word on my couch during the game with some of those umpiring calls. <laughs> but, yes, I, I was watching the same edition of On the Couch, and I did hear what you heard, and... I don't know. I don't want to get too carried away just yet. Oh, really? Why not? We were having them playing finals after round two, mate. What's, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> oh, yeah, beating the heavyweights of the Comp Port Adelaide on their home deck. Uh, <laughs> no, look, uh, you have to you have to put it into perspective. This was a magnificent performance against Brisbane, but it snaps a four-game losing streak. And I know some of those were unfortunate or we came close or just a lack of focus. But, yeah, let's put it into perspective. I think I think 13th is right for Hawthorne at the moment. On the ladder? Jeez, I tell you what, our result, the close loss to Carlton's looking pretty damn good now. Oh, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I keep on thinking that myself. Yeah, we've done well. But, you know, what do we do with this ruck situation? Because I don't want I don't want Hawthorne to rush Reeves back, even if he's at training and, and seems to be proving his fitness. Is it time for Callow again, or what do we do? we got Ned Long, who's the same height who uh, keeps on pressing for a debut. I'm not suggesting necessarily play him in the ruck 100%. Yeah, no, of course. No, he hasn't gone anywhere near the ruck in the VFL. But AFL, just chuck him in the ruck against one of the top ruckmen in the league. Wits should should be fine. Should be good. Yeah. I want to point out to listeners, I said I wouldn't do it, and yet Tiz <laughs> is having a go at me anyway. Actually, if you want to know how I would troubleshoot this, I'd probably play Cozzy in the ruck and debut Long. And when you put Long in there... Just treat him as a fourth midfielder. Don't treat him as a ruckman. Just put body on wits. Do compete, obviously. You're not going to let him have a free run at it. But be prepared to go. Because he is a tackling machine. That's his expertise. So let him just have at it. 
Yeah, I, I don't think you include another tool, uh, especially against a, a quick side like Gold Coast. So it just has to be Nash and Cozzy and maybe a bit of a chop out from Mitch every now and again. I can't see any other way you'd you'd manage this. I uh, would imagine Hardigan is is swapped out for someone a bit faster as well. We had a question from Jacob. Do we think Nash is our best option in the ruck if Ned doesn't return in time? That seems to be uh, your insinuation there, Tiz. Well, it's it's not a great option, but it's a, it's a if you can null, if he can nullify in the ruck, which is a big question against Wits, he can he can usually play strong enough to um, to stop their influence at ground level. If he can just and, and we we're going to have to be sharking the ruck for the rest of the year practically. That's just how they're going to have to set up, and um, it means that you it unfortunately means that you have to be defensive from those setups, and you you'll never really break away with the ball so you have to go backwards to come forwards and that that can be much more arduous than knowing which way the ball's you know going if it's going to go in your favor more often than not well it sort of harks back to the Clarkson method of doing things is be prepared to lose the ball but be prepared to win it back in the next line and launch from there yeah through pressure though exactly and then that's where the energy comes in yeah uh this question from numo how do we fit Connor mcdonald and ward back into a winning team do they have to bide their time until after the buy no i don't care just um bring them back in i don't mind i think Connor mack uh should be playing as soon as he's fit um ward copped a knock to the head so hopefully he's all right he, he copped that in the vfl so he i think he should be available for selection this week i have no doubts that that ward adds to the lineup i love his decision making his uh, ability to maintain possession, it's all good. According to club injury reports, I do suspect that Ward will miss another week, unfortunately. But I've seen enough by now with this club in this particular season to know that they will uh, manage the youth effectively and really well, and they'll introduce them back into this lineup, no problems. Uh, whether that's before the buy or after the buy, they're going to feature this year. Well, their development will continue. And I look forward to it. Absolutely. Look, we've seen that you've got to get the games into the players early. We're just starting to see it with DGB. He's starting to actually really kick along with his games and took some wonderful intercept marks at key moments on the weekend. So just expose them and you can see exactly what they're up for. Well, that's the kind of thing I was talking about. You mentioned DGB. I, I did, you know, when I say that a lot of players just had a, a few nice moments here and there, I think you're right. Some of his intercept marking, just great hands, competes very well. I was very impressed with some of his moments. Uh, this follow-up question from Numo, uh, how does Warpool get back into this midfield? Well, I noticed that you didn't include him in the possible inclusions, Nick, so apparently he does not. <laughs> well, he, Box Hill had a bye. He hasn't had any additional game time. He hasn't had the opportunity to prove his worth to get back into this side. He was dropped for a reason. I imagine they want him to go back and get some touch and confidence. And I mean, and fair enough. Fair enough with what he's put out this year, this season. It, it hasn't been what we're accustomed to. We know that he's nowhere near his potential right now. I feel he must have excuses. I feel there must be a reason for this drop-off in form, but I'm pleased that we're not hearing about them. Do you know what I mean? Oh, look, whatever the reason, um, they'll persist with him, and, and as well they should. James Warple's a great talent, but uh, he's he's down at the moment. So they've got to do something about that. They've got to give him an opportunity to 
to prove that he can hang and get back into this side. I just it won't be this week. Not off no game time. I think you're right. I think they need to really give him some confidence at the lower level, then bring him back in. You know, it's interesting. You can take that question a number of ways. Like, how does Warps get back into the midfield? As in his own personal challenge, you could take it in terms of the quality of our midfield on the weekends and and how they rose to the occasion and got the job done against a formidable opposition. But I I wouldn't worry about his opportunity. It'll come. This is a midfield that's in flux. The, The formation's not been settled upon. It's going to be a project for some time. Warple will get back in. Uh, he'll just need to prove himself at VFL level first. Yeah, I mean, his confidence is an all-time low, Nick, so uh, people are now asking questions like, Richard, do you think the club would consider a trade of Warple to Geelong? He was the uh, Geelong Falcons captain um, for, say, a second-round pick, Nick, and get three inside the first 25 because Geelong are obviously plummeting from here. Mm-hmm. It is a delicious and enticing proposition, and as it would be with any midfielder, you can sub out Warple's name there and put you know any midfielder on there, excluding John Newcomb, of course. I think we're hanging on to him for some time. Thank you very much. Uh, but the idea of making that move and doing it right now, because otherwise you risk their value plummeting. Do you want to do it right now? You want to have the mid-season trade period, Warps is gone, we get... Segler back, something like that. <laughs> no, no, I'm not suggesting that we move him on. I'm just highlighting that it's it's enticing, certainly. I don't think I'd move on it. I'm probably a bit more conservative than some people and I don't I don't even know if Richard's advocating for it himself, our listener Richard here, but you know, it's worth brainstorming this sort of thing. Hundred percent that will definitely be considered. Yeah. Yeah. Has to be. Not saying I want to do it, but you know, this is what a rebuilding side has to consider. This question from Jack, I think he hit us up via Instagram. Uh, how is Connor Downey tracking? Do you know, Nick? Better than he was. I think he's starting to get a bit more impactful running off the wing and putting us inside 50. He's finding more of the ball than he than he did, certainly last year as well. I think he's come along in leaps and bounds. But is he threatening to, to pinch a spot on the side? Nah, not yet. Not yet. His foot skills were the concern coming into the start of the year. Are they are they better now? I think his disposal overall is sharper. Um, I, I would love to have some statistics to back up my thought on that. That is just my impression from watching Box Hill. But uh, he's becoming more of a weapon. Um, but it's going to take some time. There's, there's a few guys at Box Hill where they're not really close right now. Dean has come out of left field with a question. Is there any part of you that misses Tim O'Neilly at all? Uh, no. And I would have said not nearly enough. <laughs> and <laughs> This final question from Luke, which uh, really is the question, uh, what are our chances of beating Gold Coast this weekend? Oh, it's a 50-50 game, isn't it, Nick? It is. 12th takes on 13th. Conditions that we're probably not as accustomed to. Uh, I don't know if it's maybe going to be a bit dewy. Oh, I know. Well, obviously, it's going to be a bit dewy. The Suns are playing. Uh, <laughs> but at training, uh, reportedly Hawthorne working with dishwashing liquid, you know, dipping the footies in and and just getting it all slippery. Well, Dan Howe won't have any trouble with that. He uh, couldn't pick the ball up on the weekend anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, oh, that was a bit cruel. He did improve later in the game, though. He did. He did. I would suggest that his spot is shaky. It's a big step up, isn't it? Because we've seen him at, at VFL, he looks really good. And then he comes to AFL and he looked looked a little bit shaky. And then Liam Shields, it's the difference in, in the class, isn't it? He's just 
goes about his business at AFL. So what what are we going for? Uh, I said 50%. I think we should be able to get the victory, maybe a couple of goals. Going to be difficult with a ruck. That, that That's if the ruck thing works, if we can actually shark their rucks and do things like that. I thought Raul has, has played fairly badly or below his standards for a couple of weeks. He must be carrying an injury. Well, I, I don't necessarily trust the Suns this season. I know they've come along and, and they're doing a lot better than they have in recent seasons, but I, I'm not at the place where I know really what to expect. They, they can, We can beat them. You know, we can beat the Suns. A lot, a lot of teams can right now. But they're just they're just highly variable in their output, I find. That's my opinion anyway. There's only one player we want to see really at this game, and that's the marvellous Cyril Rioli. Do we have any idea if he's going to come? No inside intel on that one, unfortunately. Uh, but I certainly hope that he does come. But the club has done what they can here around this particular thing. The invitation is there. Even outside the Rioli issue, the club in the past fortnight has done some magnificent things involving the Indigenous community and for Sir Doug Nichols rounds, um, which I think is great. Whether that uh, sways Rioli in any in any way at all, um, I really have no idea, but it'd be nice. I saw Wingard interviewed. He spoke glowingly about the culture at Hawthorne in terms of the Indigenous players. I know he probably doesn't want the spotlight, so I, f- I fully expect he won't show up at the game. Yeah, neither, neither. Um, and, and you know what? That's fine too. If all of this was patched up behind closed doors, um, that would be perfectly acceptable. I also sense that if he did show up, there's, there's the potential for a great display of reconciliation and what that looks like um, to be modelled for other people. I don't know. I, I wonder what Cyril's mindset about this is because it is a huge opportunity for him as well. It's just a huge opportunity to celebrate his heritage in, in Doug Nichols' round. That's it. We'll wait to see what happens with that. Uh, I don't necessarily hold my breath and that's totally fine. Whatever Cyril wants to do. I hope somewhere down the road that this could all be fixed and if it was privately, that would be fine too. Now, in a bit of bad news that we can take advantage of, Brocky. Brockman, long-term injury list now. Yeah, well, he hasn't officially been moved there, but I think Hawthorne would be crazy to not make that call. On the injury reports we've seen the last fortnight, he is going to miss the entire year. Uh, So that gives us an opportunity for the mid-season draft. We already had one list spot that we carried over that we didn't use in our pre-season, and uh, we could potentially have two. So we had a question here from Wiley at Hawk Talk Pod on Twitter. Any word on Brockman being placed on the long-term injury list and taking two picks to the mid-season draft? I appreciate that some want us to take a Ruckman, but we need to have the longest view in the room. It's not about this year, but building the list for the future. Best available player for me. And Jared actually adds on. What about listeners? Jared, uh, do we go for a Ruckman or do we concede this year is trial and error and try to nab another mid, potentially pushing the rebuild along faster? Yeah, I think you have to look past a Ruckman to the quick fix. Uh, that's how I feel about it. I think uh, the only reason you would not put Brockman on the long-term injury list is if you felt that he would be leaving the club at the end of the year. Uh, you want to give him an opportunity to play for the club again and really feel like he's got a place here. Otherwise, I see him heading straight back west. I picked up on something that one of the club doctors said in the, in the latest um, injury report. It seemed to insinuate that 
Brockies in their calculations for 2023. Okay. So I don't know if we I don't know if we read into that or not, but certainly the the future beyond this season was mentioned. Um, so I guess we'll wait to see what happens with that. I agree with you though. Ruckman is so enticing right now because the situation is that dire. But you can't look at the quick fix when it comes to a rebuild. You, you've got to think a midfielder. Or, you know, I, I know we've got James Blank in our sites as well, who who is who's now eligible. Um, he could be a key defender for us. That's that's what I'd be looking at. Position-wise, it would be a mid or a key back. Yeah. It's just another way to refresh the list and, and give some kids that haven't had an opportunity, and hopefully they take it like John Newcomb has. Well, that's really set the bar quite high, hasn't it? <laughs> John Newcomb acquisition. So, look, if it could be anything like that, we'd be laughing. Now, moving along, Toilet Duck had a question. Uh, we might have a new member of staff arriving from the North Melbourne Recruiting Department. This was a surprise to me because I didn't think they had one. <laughs> I, I thought they just had Luffy and uh, he played super coach with their side every week and that, that was how that worked. But apparently there's a bloke called Mark Finnegan how do we feel about this, Nick? You must, you must be harrowed. This is the stuff of, of nightmares, really. I mean, he, uh, Finnegan's been there 17, 18 years, something like that. Um, they've done very well over that period, made a few prelim finals and, um, and uh, managed to keep Brad Scott in a job for, for a long time and, until, until he decided to wipe the floor with their best players and then <laughs> turned over 50% of their list in the last four years. Is that right? And that's why they'll be getting a priority pick at the end of this year. <laughs> what are we doing, Nick? I thought we had salary issues to begin with. Is he, is he coming on board at Hawthorne as an intern, just trying to learn the job, or, or, or what's going on? Well, as much as it pains me to say it, North Melbourne's only really been a total basket case in recent memory. Like, over that 17 years of Mark Finnegan being in their recruiting department, they haven't done that badly. But they've, they've been able to bring in some decent talent and develop it and, as we say, make finals footy. But his recent form in that, in that department has not been great. So I'm a little bit concerned. As much as it's, it is a joy to pinch something from North Melbourne and take it for us. And I love that, Three three staff members all turn their back on the club at the same time. Delicious. But I do wonder what it's going to bring us and, and what we're hoping for here. Yeah, perhaps I'm being a little bit rough. They did pick up. Um... Anyway, um, what have we got next? <laughs> Folks, that was unedited, that silence. Anyway, moving on from people trying their luck at another club, we're pokies free. We've flogged that. And uh, that goes into the future fund, and um, hopefully we've got some pretty clever operators and we can get that money building with investments and different things uh, from our uh, Dare to Be Different committee down to some of the other committees as well. Yeah, and this is what I've been hanging out for for a long time. I, I wanted us to be rid of the pokies, and, you know, we've done a Tim Friedman, we've blown them up, or more realistically, we've just shuffled them off to a different owner and there'll still be a problem and a plague on the community uh, and I know p people point that out like Hawthorne has to solve that, which is impossible. That's not that's not down to the club. That's not the domain of a football club to solve that kind of issue. 
what we can do is try and effectively clear our conscience and know that we're not taking revenue from that stream anymore. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, we should be able to uh, use the capital we get from the sale uh, to generate some income at least as much as we had and without all the negativity that goes with that. From negativity onto positivity. All the positivity coming out of the VFLW side. It's been a wonderful season and it continued in fine fashion uh, this past weekend. Hawthorne 9-11-65 defeated Derebin uh, 2-0-12. Banked another big win did the Hawks ahead of their finals campaign. It was a 53-point margin, as I say. Another second-term surge. They love doing that, the Hawks. They just step into it in the second term and they blow sides away. It started with a goal to Jesse Williams and then back-to-back majors for debutante Sky Wilson. That saw us take a 23-point lead heading into the main break. And uh, it wasn't really much of a contest after that. Derebin just had no answer for for our well-marshaled defence, which stepped up again. Derebin just couldn't pick their way through and uh, would just win it back. Whenever the Falcons tried to rebound, we'd win it back on the wing with an intercept mark almost every time, send the ball straight back into Ford 50. And with all that supply tears, the floodgates just opened in the final term. We booted 4-5 to finish the game very strongly. And uh, next week, it's our final game of the season before finals. We take on Williamstown 11am at Box Hill City Oval. So do we need to win that or finals are assured? Finals are assured at this point. Yep, I think, you know, as always, we do want to win. You want to hold second spot on the ladder. I don't imagine we'll leapfrog Essendon. Uh, but, you know, I think I think w- at worst we'll be third. Finals are absolutely in the bank at this point and we just want to continue our good form. And uh, we want to see some of these players trot out their very best performances because we're still signing people for this AFLW list, Tiz. And uh, we've made three more signings this week. I was pleased to see Hawthorne finally announce their signing Tamara Luke for the AFLW after a dominant performances in the VFLW all, all year. Well, yeah, I mean, she has been such a quality captain, super influential from game to game. Uh, a 2018 Premiership player, as we know, Tiz, we were there. A 2021 Best and Fairest winner, this season, she's ranking first in the team for total goals, marks, and hitouts from her 10 games. Uh, she has been enormous. We've also signed from our VFLW team to the AFLW. We've promoted Jenna Richardson, who's been a quality contributor, a d- defender averaging 12.5 disposals, 4.1 marks, 2.4 tackles from 10 games. This was definitely a good call, promoting her to the AFLW side. And to cap it off, Talia Fellows, we nabbed from Casey who have also been enjoying a great season. I think they sit in third at the moment, just behind us. Uh, Fellows is a quality forward prospect. He's uh, 12 goals from 11 games this year. Recently produced an eye-catching performance for the under-23 All-Stars against the NAB AFLW Academy. And uh, those are the three that we signed, but there's also news of a fourth signing this week coming. Uh, Anya McDonough, I'm told that's how you pronounce it. Uh, an Irish import, played Gaelic football for County Galway as a half-forward and midfielder, and also, Tiz, you'd be delighted to know, has a basketball background, so the commentary will love that. Who did the recruiting there? (laughs) Who's gone over to Ireland to to notice her talent? Was that Mark Finnegan? (laughs) (laughs) That is top shelf. I'll pay that. Thank you very much. I don't know what eyes we've got in Ireland, but uh, there we go. That'll be our first Irish recruit for the AFLW. Well, what a terrific result, Nick! Took him down to, took him down to Tassie, beat him again. Had 
such will and determination to play the game out, even though it looked like unwinnable at, at some points. And and John Newcomb and Tom Mitchell actually worked well together in a midfield that um, was up against one of the best midfields in the comp. You know, you can't ask for much more than what Sammy's giving us at the moment. Yeah, it was a wonderful win. Arguably our best of the season. It was right up there with the one against Geelong, to be honest. Most enjoyable. And for the uh, VFLW team as well to continue their winning ways as they march towards the finals. The only thing missing, really, was uh, Box Hill, who had a bye. But uh, they'll be back this week. They're playing at Metricon Stadium. So they're heading up north, away from the cold, windy Box Hill City Oval. Uh, They'll be heading up to Metricon to uh, play against the Gold Coast Suns, 3.05pm this Saturday. Uh, It really is a super Saturday. We've got Hawthorne VFLW, as I said, 11am Box Hill City Oval. And on the same day, that evening, TIO Stadium, Channel 7, 7.40pm. And is uh, 3WBC getting airlifted up to... Out to the Gold Coast? Well, I saw on Fletcher's account that he's going to be there. Really? Doing some sort of coverage, and I thought, is he copping a plane up there? Anyway. No, they're going to do FaceTime from someone in the crowd, and he's just going to call it from there. (laughs) I have no idea how they're going to do it, but they do wonderful work at 3WBC, so we look forward to that. Hey, uh, we're giving those guys a plug. We need to do our plugs. We've been lucky enough uh, at HawkTalkPod HQ to have a whole bunch of generous listeners, people who have taken time out of their day to give us a star rating or review of our show on Apple Podcasts, telling the world how much they enjoy our show. Now, if you're at all inclined to do the same, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter as well, at HawkTalkPod, kind of our social media HQ there. Love the banter with our incredible community of Hawks fans. So join us over on Twitter if you haven't already, and we're so appreciative of our Facebook family too, Lots of fun over there. Facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod. Of course, we're also on Instagram. And the big one for us is Patreon. That's where you can support our show and make it possible for us to put time into this show week to week. All of our subscribers really do contribute in a very real way to making the show what it is. And, uh, of course, we need to extend a special mention to our latest proud, passionate, and paid-up subscriber, Will T. Thanks so much for getting around us. Uh, for anyone that would like to join up, all the details are at patreon.com slash hawktalkpod, including details about how to score some sweet bonus content. We've got some fun recording sessions tiers lined up very soon, hours worth of material coming up just for our subscribers. So if you're keen, check out the details over on Patreon. Now, finally, Tiz, we have a very special shout out to Rick. Uh, who not only lives and breathes all things brown and gold, but honestly, Tiz, might be the most hardcore Hawk Talk pod fan there is. Oh, there have been some pretty hardcore fans, Nick. There's been one that drove half of Australia just listening to Hawk Talk Pod uh, from years back. That was rather concerning. Well, <laughs> well, Rick has staked his claim as the number one. He hops in the car every week before his mate Blake can even get a word in. The pod's on. <laughs> <laughs> it's on this car stereo and he loves nothing more than to revisit past eps to the point where he can actually recite some of your very best lines mate oh gee that, that's a bit of a worry actually <laughs> <laughs> not not many of those no, he's, he's really cherry picking at that point uh, <laughs> but that's how much he loves Hawthorne and he loves when we have a win so uh, Rick good day from both of us uh, it really made our day actually to hear how much you enjoy the show And uh, we know you would have been hanging out for this edition to relive the big win over Brisbane. So thanks for the support. Hope you're enjoying this episode. Yeah, have have a great one, Rick. And uh, shout out to Blake, who gets to hear us so often. (laughs) Blake's a Richmond supporter. So there you go. (laughs) We must be doing something right if we're tolerable to uh, opposition fans. So the Super Saturday, that'll be a bit of fun. AFLW into VFL into AFL again. Yeah, it's all happening. Three games on the one day. It's going to be very fun indeed. Now, I won't get to see 
anything but the game in the evening, the game from Darwin, unfortunately. And I need to extend an apology to you, mate, because we talked about it a lot on the podcast, us going to Darwin. It's because of me that we can't make that trip. We did have things lined up. It was very much on the agenda, but I've got uni commitments that are mandatory. They really spoiled the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just didn't want to get in that plastic bubble where you can hop in with the crocs that was the that was the deal breaker mate i didn't even know that was a thing and now i won't sleep (laughs) they are i reckon i reckon they're my number one most feared animal really yeah send a shiver up my spine i hate it the beady little eyes just on the surface of the water they know what they're doing it's meant to be unsettling incredible creatures oh i don't doubt it but they're also ruthless killers and that's Probably my point, mate, about what I say I'm scared of them. <laughs> Not scared of how amazing they are. Anyway, hopefully it's an annual thing and we will get to go. Yeah, and it's fine. I, I don't mind you know, having a bit of a look at the crocs from afar. Do you reckon we could get them you know, doing a bit of a death roll or something? That, that's what they do. Yeah, get in there with them. They'll death roll like that. <laughs> the only thing more lethal than a Connor Nash tackle. That's oh. what I say. <laughs> Jeezy, I tell you what, he, he enjoys the physicality and I love it. And uh, it's good to see um, the boys actually being a bit physical. I'm, I'm really enjoying that. And I hope if we do get to see Long soon, he loves the physicality of the game as well. So hopefully there's another debutant up in Darwin. And uh, and Sam Butler will get his third game on the trot. And I really like the look of that kid. I think he could be very, very good very quickly. Well, here's where we leave you, listeners, for this week of the Hawk Talk podcast. Just good vibes. Good vibes are plenty. Feeling really great about where the club's at at the moment. And that'll happen when you have such a magnificent win as we did over Brisbane. We'll be back next week to recap all the action from our game in Darwin, the very first in club history as we take on the Gold Coast Suns. We'll catch you next week. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.